Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Anne Loudon to the podcast today. Anne is a New York City-based consultant for nonprofit leaders. Her emphasis is teaching the skills of how to be an expert connector. Anyone who knows me well is well aware that I am wired to be a connector. People to people, people to resources. It brings me so much fulfillment. Not sure what a true connector is or does? Don't worry, Anne does a fabulous job of explaining all about it. Also during our conversation, Anne shares the attributes of connectors, how connecting is different from networking, and how we can model these skills for our teens and young adults. Stay tuned for Anne's excellent advice on how parents can help their teens become socially courageous, which will ultimately serve them as they develop their connection skills. This is a topic that is helpful to both teens and adults alike. So let's get started. Welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Are you tired of watching the teenagers in your life trying desperately to keep up on the high school hamster wheel? Is your teen confused about which direction to take after high school graduation? Our world is changing and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they can feel empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we will explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and I can't wait to take this journey with you. Hi, Anne. Thank you so much for being here today on the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Betsy, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to have a chance to talk to you. Yeah, I. this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. You and I have talked a little bit, and you know I'm all about connection and being a connector. And I've not talked to anyone on the podcast about this topic or about social courage. So I'm really looking forward to this because I think it's going to be super helpful to my audience. Um, but before we get started, I would love it if you would just take a minute or two and introduce yourself to my audience. Well, thank you, Betsy. Uh, I am, as you can hear by my voice, not a New Yorker, although that's where I am now. I grew up in Tennessee and spent my adult years in Texas and then three years ago moved to New York. And I really learned the meaning of connection when I got here, which I'll explain in more detail to your audience in a moment, because I came to this giant a metropolis with not having many connections or relationships. And so the skills that I'll speak about are ones that have served me so well. My work is in nonprofit consulting. That I, All my life I've spent with nonprofit organizations, primarily in higher education, which gives me a chance to relate to your audience. I've worked with young people for three plus decades as they've made college decisions determine where they needed to go and how they pursued their academic experience and then what what that meant to them as they were pursuing careers postgraduate. And I, I, I really have loved that chance to get to know families as a part of the process of attaching to an an institution for four plus years. And the other part of my work, and besides working with the admissions operation, was raising money for and advocating and branding for nonprofit organizations, not just universities, but also volunteer causes. I have one daughter who is now in her early 20s, and I was the lucky, lucky beneficiary of the process of adoption to have this child in my life. She came to us as 
a, a one week old infant. So I've been very focused on the world of adoption as well as as the nonprofit world as a specific area. And then also as a cancer survivor, I'm very interested in healthcare for women and children. And so I've spent a lot of time in that uh, that space in terms of my nonprofit work. So I, I bring maybe a different perspective than some other of your guests that you've spoken to, but I think the idea of connection and social courage is one that's universal across all interests and all experiences and certainly all workplaces. I would agree. And by the way, all of the work that you have done and do is amazing. I was reading online about you and reading your bio, and I'm just so impressed by all that. I I say to my boys all the time, use your power for good to make the world a better place. And I feel like you're doing that. So that's well, thank you. You, you. you know, one source of our power that we that we forget about is that when we go through crisis or challenge, we get to be a different version of ourselves. We have to step up or some sometimes people don't step up. But if you do step up and out of crisis, you learn so much about yourself and your personal strengths. And you also learn how you can relate to other people who go through something after you do. And that, that having cancer was one of my most empowering experiences, as scary and frightening as it was at the time. So again, thank you for the compliment. I, I, I've loved every single opportunity I've had to benefit someone else. It's just added joy to my life. So let's talk about being a good connector. Well, and let's, let's strip it all back so for people who might be like, what do you mean by connector? How would you define a connector? A connector is a person who adopts an attitude of building relationships with people that they encounter. And those relationships can be deep and long-lasting, or they can be uh, opportunistic, not in a negative way, but in a moment in time when getting to know someone as well as you can in a circumstance gives you a link to them. And there's a Uh, There's a list of attributes that I have created as I'm thinking about what connectors do that describe certain attitudes, certain behaviors that uh, make them connectors. And I love that you have already told me that you're a connector and that you love being that person. And maybe you didn't even know you were until you started looking at this list of attributes. I think connectors uh, typically know and accept and are grateful for that label once they realize that they have those attributes. So it is back to your question again, just to summarize, it's a person who adopts a certain kind of approach to building relationships with people in their lives. Okay. And maybe we'll talk about the 10 attributes. Can we do that? Absolutely. That's, okay. that's fine. Uh, I, you know, I, you can either ask me about one of them if you'd like to, or I can just, gi- just give you a general sense of what they add up to. So when I think about the skill sets of connectors, the first point that I'd like to make is that connectors get to know other people without an agenda in mind. And so many times I hear the word, oh, that means networking, right? Connecting means networking or having a big network or building a big network. While it's true that connectors know a lot of people, they don't network, and I use that term as a verb, in the sense that you hear it so often. It's a transactional kind of 
link that's made when you network. Let's say I want to find a job in the tech industry. So I'm going to find on LinkedIn, everybody in a certain company that's with that, you know, in, in that industry with a certain company. And I'm going to connect to them, we're going to use that verb, in order to find out what job opportunities exist for me in that industry. I don't think that that's connecting. I think that's networking, which is a, a lower common denominator of building a, a substantial and authentic relationship. So it's one thing, you know, there's no agenda I have in mind. I didn't have in mind an agenda to connect to you. I'm so glad that, that I have because I love the work that you're doing for parents and, and, for, and for parenting and helping parents with teenagers understand how they can be most helpful and most beneficial. But, you know, I didn't have any agenda in trying to talk to you. I just wanted to know what you did and, and, and why. So that's the first part of the attitude. The other, a second part of that is to have a sense of curiosity about life in general. You know, when I, I live in New York City now and I get on an elevator and now it's two per elevator uh, in my building specifically, which makes travel up and down to 38 floors very slow. But I used to be the person who got on the elevator and would immediately find something to say to the other person or persons on the elevator because I wanted that momentary boost in my energy to be played out by being friendly to someone. It was a curiosity about who they were and their life. And in that seconds of the ride that we had from the ground floor to whatever floor they were going to, I could make uh, something happen. And so, and that's played out a thousand times here in New York, and I can tell you a couple of stories in a minute once we get through thinking about this list, but it is this curiosity. I want to know the people in the world. I want to know who's around me. I want to know what they're like. I want to see if there's something that happens between us. And again, I don't have an agenda about it. Uh, Another piece of that is that there can be no snobbery about the socioeconomic level of the person that we are encountering. So if I meet someone on the street or I, as I was yesterday in a little deli, the fact that I can make a friend briefly of someone who recognizes me when I come back, I'm not doing that because I think there's something that's going to come out of that for me. I'm doing that because I want him to believe that that I care at some level about him and his life. I want to take the time to be friendly. Connectors do know a lot of people. They they have, because of their pattern and habit of engaging others, they do know, they they collect people around them and they enjoy that. And they, they love to, another point, connect one person to another who could not possibly know each other. And the benefit and the spark that gets created from that is amazingly fun. And and you as the person in the middle are always valued. That shouldn't be your reason for doing it. But you, but you, there's always value because you began that set of re- relationships. Uh, it, it, it's happened to me countless times. And every time I do, Betsy, this is a hard thing to describe. But I get this sense of joy and it's actually physical. It's like I feel something, my heart jumps a bit, you know, my um, my skin tingles, you know, I think I've done this great thing, not, it's not a, in the scheme of life, it's not great, but it just gives me this 
sense, the sensation. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've told other people about this. I feel that too. I don't know if you feel it. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I connect people all the time through this podcast and I, it just brings me joy. Yeah, it does. It it it, it is a physical thing. So yeah. I, the day that I do that, I get a boost of energy that's hard to describe. But um, in, you know, and another attribute that I believe connectors have is empathy. And while it may not appear on that list, I think their ability to get into the place, the mindset, the attitude of someone else to appreciate what they're going through is is a huge connection skill. Um, connectors are uh, great listeners. They not they again they listen not with the idea of being able to answer what they hear. They listen deeply, attentively, in ways that they learn and then can provide the next answer. That's a conversational skill. But um, I I don't think I've covered all ten of them. But I just you know give you a flavor of the kind of behavioral choices that connectors make that are different than people that don't necessarily commit to being connectors. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. So how do we encourage, teach, lead our teams to become connectors? How do they develop that skill set? And especially if they're more on the introverted side or the shy side. Well, great question. Let me uh, debunk a myth about connection quickly before we talk about that. And that's this idea that connectors are born that it's a personality type, that extroverts are connectors and introverts are not connectors. Uh, it's, It's true that while extroverts may feel more comfortable in a big crowd, they may get their energy from those social interactions. Introverts need time to retool alone. That's not that's not a connection skill or lack of it it's it's simply the way we get our energy so i want to be sure that i say early on that connectors aren't born and that if you look at your children and you say uh, you know my three teenagers one is an extrovert and two are introverts so that means i guess i can't cultivate the connection skill set in my two introverts that's not true because remember connectors have deep and abiding conversations and relationships that they cultivate and it can be they can be cultivated from the perspective of a one-to-one that introverts are so good at or this more general approach that extroverts have and being able to work a crowd and then find people in that crowd that they can relate to so back to your really important question what do you do how do you cultivate that in your teenagers the first part of, of the answer is that your teenagers watch you. They see your behavior. They see how you relate to others. They see how you relate to each other. And they become some version of you. 
And we all know this as adults. We can look at ourselves and say, gosh, this behavior that I just exhibited reminds me of my mother or father or reminds me of a sibling, reminds me of something. The the person we become cannot be divorced from the people that we were raised with. And so we look to our families to teach us what the social cues are that are appropriate or inappropriate. You know, all little kids, when they're introduced to somebody new, uh, they're, they hide behind the proverbial skirts of their parents because they're afraid. And parents either can allow that behavior, they can encourage children to be feel safe in meeting new people. And that be, that's the beginning of children having enough self-confidence to be able to approach someone they don't know and begin a conversation. If they've seen a parent do it, if they know that that's okay and results in a, a successful interaction, then they're likely to be that person. Maybe not as teenagers, but in 10 or 15 years, they will also say to someone in the elevator, how's your day? If your parent does that, uh, and you know, the parents that are listening, if you if that's your behavior and you feel comfortable doing it, it's not awkward for you, it's a joy for you, your children will absolutely pick up on that. So the first thing to say about that is modeling that ability to be able to talk to anyone, mm-hmm. to be able to talk to strangers, to be able to talk to people that provide services for you, your children will get it. The other significant challenge that teenagers have besides sort of talking to people they don't know or even wanting to invest the time is knowing what to say to adults that are in positions of authority. And so to learn how to connect to those adults and let's, you know, pick a group and say teachers. Mm -hmm. So our kids may not have ever been encouraged by us to develop a relationship to their teachers, what they may have heard is that, you know, the the emphasis is on good grades, the emphasis is on studying, the emphasis is on being able to advance to the next level of whatever that, that uh, educational opportunity is. But how many times do we as parents say, get to know your teachers, introduce yourself, find a way that you can be memorable to your teachers. This is a connection skill. This is not, uh, this is not something that young people know without being taught this. Very few teachers will say to teenagers, I want to get to know you. You might hear that in a college environment, but in, in the way our, you know, intermediate school, elementary, certainly intermediate, and but high schools are not, uh, they're not places where those interactions necessarily are encouraged by teachers. And yet, we know over and over and over again that students who excel, excel not only because they master the academic material, but they also have learned how to be socially competent. And being socially competent means to be able to know and feel comfortable with conversations with people that, again, hold positions of authority. Do you see this with your children? Is this a is this a skill set that they've learned and been encouraged by you and your husband? Well, being that I'm the person who will talk to anyone, anywhere about anything, um, they've certainly witnessed it. Are they uh, are they feeling comfortable about it yet and confident? I'd say probably not. Um, but we try to give them op- like we don't get in the middle of you know if they want to reschedule something for school or need to communicate with a teacher about an assignment or whatever it is. 
we're, we always try and encourage them to to make that connect, connection on their own. And it's the same, my, you know, my 16-year-old's looking for a job right now. So I'm like, you need to go in and introduce yourself to the manager so they see your face, look them in the eye, you know, all that stuff. But you're right. I mean, they lack confidence. They lack experience. And I'm going to use the word, they lack courage because this is a good segue into a big topic that not only you don't not only talk about, but your book, your next book will be about from social courage to connection. Um, can you define what social courage is? I mean, it's more than that, right? It's more than saying, hi, I'm here for a job. It is, but social courage is exhibiting uh, confidence in situations where you feel you aren't confident. And it's it's the nexus of every connection skill that you develop. So if you think of it as sort of the grid where you've got social courage in the middle and every activity, every action that we exhibit takes us to a connection. Um, it There's no connection without courage and confidence. And so again, back to talking to teachers, I remember when I was in the first grade, I went to Catholic schools and the nuns would rule back in the day with an iron fist. And there was no chance that uh, that my parents and any of my friends' parents had said to me, get to know your teacher because of this very authoritarian structure in Catholic schools. Anyway, I was in the first grade. I was young for my grade. I think I was probably had just turned six and I was hospitalized with dehydration and was very sick. And I remember feeling so worried because I was this kid that wanted desperately to do well in school. And my parents had urged, you know, from kindergarten on it had been insistent that that was the role that I was to play in school. And so I was so frantically worried about that I was going to miss school. And my mother said, why don't we call your teacher? Now, this was an abhorrent idea to me because, uh, you know, the nun who was my teacher, I thought was a hundred years old and she was in full, you know, full vestments, full garb and everything, you know, the rosary bees and the whole thing. You couldn't see anything but her eyes practically. And so <laughs> I recall thinking, call her, like, does she even live somewhere? Is she a real person? You know, you just think these people live in, in the clouds and they come down and teach you. And so my mother said, we'll call the convent and you can ask for her and just tell her you're doing okay and that you that you're sorry you have to miss school. This is the most horrible idea. Of course, the, of course, they knew that wasn't there. School knew, but this was an extra step that my mother wanted me to experience. And it was, it took every bit of social courage just relating to people with confidence that you absolutely didn't feel you could. And I, so the, my mother calls a convent. She gets Sister Maria on the phone and she hands me the phone and I have no idea what to say. And I remember saying, hi. And Sister Maria said, who is this? <laughs> so then I have to identify myself. And she and she wasn't very friendly. She said, yes. And so again, these one syllable words and I've got to come up with the sentences to go behind it. And so I said, I'm, I'm calling because I'm sick and I can't come to school. And so I think that broke the ice. And Sister Maria said, we know you're sick. We're praying for you. We're thinking about you and we want you to get better soon so you can come back. And so my next answer was, well, I bet I better go. I'll never forget saying that because I, I didn't have clothes, but I bet I better go. 
but I got off the, and I looked at my mother and just hung up the phone. I don't think I ever said goodbye, but my mother said to me, good for you. You did something that was really brave. And I, because I was uh, rewarded with her words of affirmation about this very challenging thing for me to do as a sick six-year-old, I learned that there was nothing bad. The outcome was good. And when I came back to school, Sister Maria was welcoming and more friendly to me than she had been in the past. wasn't going to say she would have been my best friend. No relationship like that exists. But I had stepped across a chasm I did not believe I could step across, even as a six-year-old. And that was probably the beginning of my understanding, you know, intuitively, but I couldn't have put words to it, that, that stepping beyond what you believe you can do can result in amazing things. And that's what social courage is. And we as parents exhibit social courage often. I mean, one example would be you get into a huge argument with your teenager about a topic that you feel very strongly about and you're not going anywhere. You're you're expressing your point of view and this teenager is not responding to you and it's it's causing not only disagreement in terms of what behavior you're looking for, but also a rift in the relationship. We've all had those arguments with our teenagers where we walk away and we think, oh my gosh, uh, that went too far. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't keep my cool. I didn't express myself well, and I don't know how to recover from it. The socially courageous thing for us to do as parents would be not to ignore it, which I did have a parent that, that, was the behavior when things didn't go well it just like it didn't ever happen and then you you know then you feel bad as the parent and certainly the teenager feels bad because it wasn't addressed the socially courageous thing to do is what we all know is that we we go back to our teenager and we say that didn't go well at all i'm sorry i'm responsible for my part in this conversation where i didn't listen fully to you i didn't try to understand your point of view and i'd like to start over again or whatever your way of communicating with your teenager is but it's this doing something difficult that it's easier not to do but when you do it in that case when a parent does it you build a connection and you add to the bond in that relationship that would not exist if you hadn't taken the step if we can be vulnerable to our teenagers in a way that keeps them safe and they they still know that we are the people they can trust and go to with their own emotions and on their own challenges we but we got to be human you know we've got to let them see the times when we just simply are tested and that test is met because we were courageous yeah i think that's so true we are their role models for the most part and what we do they absorb it they see it they take it in even if we don't want them to <laughs> so what connection advice would you give to teenagers that who want to be successful in life there are so many ways that teenagers can be connected that they don't see so the first advice that I would say to parents who want to help teenagers make connections is to help them know early on that the most advantageous 
relationships they can develop are with adults who are in a position to be helpful to them. And so I remember when my daughter was growing up, when she was in high school and trying to make decisions about where she was going to go to college, one of the ways in which I tried to get her focused on stepping beyond the world she knew, and the world she knew was parents of her friends, but I wanted her to know not only who those parents were, but what they did, you know, so that if, if they, those relationships were ones she could, she could go back to later on, that'd be beneficial to her, uh, that she would be inquisitive about what her friend's parents did and build those relationships there because those were going to be the adults in her life. So I would always urge her to not just be interested in her friends, but to get to know as best as she could her friend's parents. And that's not normal and natural for teenagers to do. They're not interested in the, in the parents. Um, but at some point, those parents are going to be writing uh, job recommendations, potentially. And we either know them one of several ways. They're either family or friends, which is, I'm sorry, family, which is not the group that you want to use for college reference letters, uh, parents of our friends, or someone that we've worked for if we go to, if your teenager goes to work in a setting where they have adults that can reference their skill set. So your question, how do we help children or teenagers develop those connection skills? We urge them and encourage them and support them when they can reach out to other adults who aren't familial. That's going to be critical. The second is that we praise them when we see them being socially courageous and stepping outside of themselves to do something that meets a need. You're doing this because you see a need and you're meeting that need. And there's no telling the positive repercussions of this going forward throughout your, you know, their lives and certainly what it means to you. And so we look for those opportunities to praise our children when they do connection-related, socially courageous activities. Oh, that's all great advice. Really great advice and, and helpful for parents um, to find those opportunities. So I don't, uh, I don't want to finish this conversation without talking about your book and everything else you're up to and where people can find and follow you. Um, let's start with the book. It's called From Social Courage to Connection. And when will that be published? Well, it should be out. Fingers crossed, COVID has changed the publishing world a lot, but it should be out in early 2022. Focused on teaching connection skills and what social courage means and how connect, how we all can be connectors and figuring out the kind of connectors we are. But even more than that, I'm profiling leaders in all kinds of industries who've adopted connection as a leadership style. I appreciate your plug for the book and the information about that book and me is on my website which is the beginning of the website www and then my name which is ann a n n just plain no e and my last name is loudon it's l o u d e n like loud versus soft <laughs> so uh, i i have a lot that i have a blog that's also on that site and i write about connection conversations, connection experiences in New York. And I, I do attempt to be vulnerable about what it means to be in a huge place and build this community for yourself and how, how it's done. I hope I'm helping others to see that. 
That's so valuable, especially for young people today. They're all feeling so isolated. They're not getting the regular opportunities to connect with people, right? Everything's online right now. And it's a good it's a good conversation to be having with them now because when life starts to open back up again, they're going to have the opportunity to make to be a connector and make those connections. So now's a really good time for us to be to be working with them on this so they're ready whether they're off to college or whatever their next step is in life. I agree and if anything that covid has illustrated for us in this pandemic period it is how much we need to be related to other people. How how sad and empty it is to live in a world where we can't see and touch and be with people that enhance our lives. We're not meant to do this alone. Agreed. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it, Anne. Oh, you're so welcome. I enjoyed it. I could have talked to you for the rest of the day and tomorrow and, you know, any anytime you want to do this. And I so appreciate that your audience cares so much for their teenagers and the success that their teenagers will have by being connectors and exhibiting social courage. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you would take a minute and give me a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast player so new episodes will be delivered directly to you as soon as they're available. You can find and connect with me on the High School Hamster Wheel Facebook page. And please consider joining me and my co-host, Jay Dusold, in our Life After 12th Facebook group, where we provide encouragement and help for parents of career-confused teens and 20-somethings. All links and references mentioned during this episode can be found on the show notes page on my website at highschoolhamsterwheel.com. The High School Hamster Wheel podcast is a proud partner of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together.